0: with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary.
1: Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Talking all things financial money, investing and more. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of pick at. I'm one of those people who picks at scabs, you know. Things take a little bit longer for to heal on my body in large part because uh, I'm a picker. Now, one of the things I'm picking at is there's a story out there about Domino's doing pizza tweets. You can tweet for pizza and if you're a regular customer, they'll actually give you your own emoji and you'll be able to tweet with emojis. You don't even have to spell anymore, right? Fifty percent of Domino's business is online. So one of the things I'm... And that's this getting people to tweet. Um, you're talking about people 18 to 35. You talk to anyone over 35, like Chad Burton, and he's at a loss. He's like, I don't tweet, kind of thing, even though he has a Twitter account. Um, but it's, it's all about 18 to 35. It's all about the millennials. I want to talk about some stocks that I think will benefit from the millennials. And... You, as an investor, should wisely think about where do people spend money? Who spends money? And then you kind of follow that money, and that's where you throw your investment dollars. So, I can argue that that's tough to understand the millennials and the millennials' values. I told you I had a friend who was 30, and in her apartment, all she had was alcohol in the fridge because she likes fresh food fascinating insight into the mind of the Millennials. She would say things like, I want to get rid of all the wires in my house. Like, she doesn't want books. She doesn't, you know, she'd rather have an e-book. So, interesting. So, the Millennials are people who have cash. 75 million Americans. The number of births in the United States recently rose for the first time since the Great Recession as Millennial parents uh, had 4 million babies. The At age 25, the average age of a millennial is quickly approaching the average age of a first-time mom, which is 26. Goldman expects the annual $1 trillion parents currently spend on children to expand. Some of the research out there. Millennials are now the largest generation in the United States labor force. Labor force equals paycheck. Paycheck equals spending. Soon they're going to account for most of the spending in the country, and eventually control most of the wealth. Millennial research tries to highlight where you should be putting your money, or where you should maybe consider where they're putting their money. And again, not perfect in any way. Um, In fact, I would say, you know, downright flawed, as far as information goes but I I do want you to continue to think that way. Um, Millennials like athleisure. Athleisure is Lululemon. Millennials like getting out athletically. Athletically is Dick's Sporting Goods. So, remember I talked about babies? The baby play would probably be something like Carter's, are you with me? Ticker symbol is CRI. Millennials like fresh food, I would go to Chipotle Mexican Grill, and maybe what you do is you create a little basket of millennial stocks. Dick's Sporting Goods, DKS. Um, If you're going for the kid's angle again, maybe go something like a Hasbro, which is doing much better than Mattel, Mattel's stuck with Barbie, and Millennials don't like Barbie. Super skinny, big busted, people don't like that image being sent to their kids. And Millennials want to have that right social message, they care. Hasbro's got all the Star Wars figures they're going to be raking in money in the uh, Marvel uh Avengers. Again, I don't own all of these stocks. I don't even own some of them. Like I'm I'll tell you if I do. I own them all in probably the S&P 500, right? Mead Johnson is a nutrition company for babies with formula. Take your symbol of Mead Johnson is MJN. Monster beverage where it gives you the caffeine jolt. Still growing in because it's not a sugary, uh, you know, soda. Soda not growing. Fitness band. Um, fitness, I would go with Nike or Under Armour. I would consider a fitness band company, but why why consider it when you have Nike and Under Armour? And again, Lululemon, if you want sexy. Um, other things like Starbucks. How many people do you see 1835 holding a cup of coffee? And they're not holding a McDonald's cup of coffee because that's not a cool status symbol. A Starbucks cup is a cool status symbol. William sonoma because that's a stock you'd want to consider to own. Why? Why? Um, if millennials are now getting to the age of having babies, what do you have to do? You have to get a house and you have to put stuff in that house and you typically want quality stuff and Williams-Sonoma is, I think, the best way to play furnishing of a home. Anytime I go into a Williams-Sonoma store or a pottery barn, I'm always like, ooh, that's nice. Zoo Lily, also a play on the millennials. There's a rumor, there's not a rumor, it's a fact that uh, Alibaba has picked up a... Portion of Zulily stock, Alibaba, a big um, Amazon.com-like company in China, picking up a Seattle-based Zulily, just nine percent of it. Uh, very, very, very smart. Zulily wants moms to shop till they drop with their mouse, an online retailer that caters to women and mothers. Zulily sells women and children's apparel and accessories, home decor, and toys. It operates flash sales offering sale and clearance merchandise from various vendors for a limited period of time. Zulily specializes in offering products from smaller boutique vendors, um, including Carter, Lego, Disney, and Strideright. The retailer boasts more than 4.9 million active users. So I'm not saying buy all these companies. If you do, put them in, you know, own very small pieces, and then it could be a 5% play on millennials in spending. Again, you know, Some of the names uh, aren't going to work out. But I do like the direction that Millennial spending is going. Um, Starbucks and Chipotle, pretty strong companies. Zulily would be a flash in the pan. Or Zulily could be the home run out of the group. Hasbro makes toys, and toys aren't exactly... If you take a look at the last five, ten years, what are people doing? Kids are on their iPhones a lot more so than they are with their Play-Doh. But Plato's still not gone out of business, right? Not going out anytime soon. Anyhow, I want you to scratch and I want you to pick on ideas and go, I get it now. This is why we're using that that darn term millennial. Millennial, millennial, millennial. They're lazy. They stay at home. Millennial, millennial. They don't have jobs. Now they're getting jobs. Millennial, millennial. Like, we pound that on Wall Street to give you the idea of where the money's going. And you always win by figuring out where the money's going. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Black Hawk and all things financial money investing and more. I hope you are all well. Keep in mind, I try to do the best I can on the show, but sometimes, quite honestly, it's flat or there's just a day of, you know, stinky news. I try to give you insight into things like, you know, one of the big stories right now around the world is China's like making islands and that could affect trade. in that part of the world. Like, why are they doing that? Genetics is becoming a mature field. The cost of sequencing a human genome has fallen by several orders of magnitude over the last 15 years. The first full human genome sequence cost about $100 million. Now it's less than $10,000. And we're going to come up with new ways of delivering drugs. Genetics is becoming a very mature field. Emerging technologies have the potential to revolutionize medicine in ways we've only dreamed of. Um... When you get scientists excited, that's pretty cool. Nigeria is a demographic powerhouse. It's the largest country in Africa, and the UN projects that it will be the third largest country in the world by 2050. Things like that, I just want you to know. And you may or may not be able to benefit financially from it, but you should know. You know, cheap oil is good for you and me and driving around the city. Cheap oil is bad for the rest of the world, because there's a lot of countries like Iraq and Algeria and Venezuela. cater who who they're poor without it because that's their economy anyhow and anyway let's bring in cfp chad burton joining me now cfp chad burton talking major decisions that can affect your retirement um this seems pretty obvious like not saving enough money so you're living off social security are we talking that kind of major decision
2: yeah i mean there's a good article at usa news money site and um one of the biggest ones you and i talk about it all the time is is when you start saving And an example that when you run the numbers, what I typically see is if a person gets out of college or starting a job at 22 to 25, they can save 10% of pay typically if they have a bit of a retirement match on their 401k, like 4%, and they'll be able to retire at 65 with the same type of a lifestyle in most cases. If you start saving when you're 45, in other words, you've enjoyed your lifestyle, you're buying all these depreciating assets, your favorite cars, your boats, swapping houses and spouses and things like that. And you don't start until you're 45 years old. You have nothing saved up. Yep. You're going to have to save 25% of pay in order to get to that same point that only 10% if you would have started a couple of decades earlier. So compound and time is on your side. I mean, that means you're you're actually decreasing your lifestyle at the age of 45 to have a decreased lifestyle at the age of 65. So you have to get on board with the idea you got to pay yourself first at an early age.
1: Okay. So... Let's talk a little bit more on some of these decisions. And I, I think one of the toughest things that people have is taking a decision. Like, we all come up with these great ideas. Like, I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to save X amount of money. I'm going to budget X amount of ways. But then taking action is actually probably the toughest part of financial planning.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, you kind of have to have one you know, week and day a month to concentrate on your financial plan, whether that's tracking your, your budget through... A mint.com or some of the other sites that do that. I think you mentioned one recently that you've, you've found similar to Mint. Yeah, it's called uh, Level. Level. Um, and that, you know, you've got to go in. You've got to itemize your expenses so you can track your expenses, see where you're spent spending too much, see where you can cut and be able to save. Because so many people, these, you know, 20 and 30-somethings, are still giving up their 401K match. They think that the system is broken because of the bubbles that we've gone through. Yeah. They are scared to save because they fear about things like high-frequency trading that they think makes a difference in the long run, and it doesn't. I mean, not taking advantage of the 401k match is death to your retirement. I understand that.
1: And, you know, I can give you a perfect example where my brother Michael, who's 18 months older than me, he made a decision in the early 90s when there was a thrift and saving loans crisis um, that the banks were failing that he wanted out of the stock market. So he cashed out his 401k, and he missed the 20-year bull run. Yeah, the eight-year run that was unbelievable in the 90s. Yeah, and uh, then you know we had another dip in 2000, and he probably was feeling pretty smart, like, ha ha, I got out 10 years ago, and only to be at this point in time, he's gonna work till the day he dies because of that decision.
2: Yeah, it is. And then the same people that cash out their 401k. Here, here's what's been typical lately: people cash out their 401k down to get a, take advantage of the low rates on their loans, so they can get into a house that they can barely afford. So They cash out their 401k. And they get 20% tax withholding, and they think that's it. Then they go buy the house, and then April 15th comes around, and they've got another huge you know, double-digit number, thousands of dollars that they have to come up with to pay Uncle Sam. And you can't go bunk- bankrupt with Uncle Sam.
1: Yeah, and what you mean by that is when you owe them X amount of dollars, you will eventually pay them X amount of dollars. They will put liens on your house. They will put liens on your paycheck. They will get that money.
2: Be liens on your IRA. Oh. All can you imagine? Yeah, because they, they can lean, put a lien on your IRA, and they can force you to pull the money out of it to pay the taxes. And you'll avoid the 10% penalty, but you still have to pay the taxes on the money that they lean. So it's like this ongoing ballooning problem.
1: Does that lien get a uh, grade of A? <laughs> Would you invest in liens?
2: Oh, there's a lot of people that invest in the tax lien situation. And the thing Shady. Is, I will never invest in anything where who I'm investing with prints their own statement. Yeah. You know
1: what I mean? I totally know what you mean, but most of our listeners – not most of our listeners, but there's a large ignorant swath of people out there.
2: It's like uh, uh, private REITs too. Here, our our share price is $10 a share. We don't know how we came up with that, but here you go. It's $10 a share. And now you're seeing the Wells REIT 1, Wells REIT 2, and they've they've gone public, and you can see where people are disappointed with the returns and private REITs. I wouldn't touch private REITs at all.
1: With that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. The Jolts Report is out yesterday, came out yesterday. And it's got some good stuff in it. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that when I've got Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com coming up. Uh, we'll talk about the retail sales that were flat. The JOLTS report and the retail sales and the jobs report that we got last Friday all kind of intermingled together. Um, JOLTS report is showing us something slightly different than what the employment report showed. Um, and we'll talk about that with Dr. Jeff Rosen. I hope you enjoy those conversations that I have because I certainly do and I think they're pretty darn insightful. He's with briefing.com for the record. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblackshow as well, dot com. Twitter is robblackshow, YouTube robblackshow, and I'm Rob Black. Coming up, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with briefing.com. Again, Dr. Jeff Rosen from Briefing.com. He has his own theme music, which is pretty cool. How are you, Dr. Jeff?
3: Oh, pretty good. How about yourself?
1: I'm well. Um, we haven't talked since the jobs report came out on Friday. It, was there anything in it that
3: you saw interesting? Just the fact that we're still seeing the same stuff that we've been seeing for a while now. You know, really no wage growth. Uh, the unemployment rate shows an economy that seems to be nearing full employment, but so far we're not seeing any competition for employees among businesses, so wages remain stagnant. That translated into uh, a pretty weak retail sales report today. Uh, Just that the fact that the employment sector, you know, growth in this area is just slow going.
1: Now, the JOLTS report that came out yesterday, I saw that the number of people quitting spiked. That's construed to be a good
3: thing, right? Yeah, because it means that uh, people feel that they have the ability to find another job. So, you know, if you have the ideas around that, uh, that, you know, the job openings are plentiful or that you're in demand, you're going to quit a lower paying job or you're going to quit a job that you're not being treated as well at and uh, look for a better job or, or take a better job. And, and the fact that there are more quits than layoffs is a, is a good sign.
1: I may have to change your theme song to Working 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton, because we seem to talk about jobs often. <laughs> I hear that you change you from a cool song to, eh, not so much. Um, I saw that job openings are up 18% from the year-ago period. Are we... How
3: are we at full employment, if that's the case? You know, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, realistically, the the way we look at the JOLTS report is that you look at the vacancy rate, which is the total amount of jobs open for the total amount of jobs that are in existence, and you compare that to the unemployment rate. And what we've seen is that there's been a shift since the uh, end of the Great Recession compared to the previous business cycle, which means that we've had more job openings for the current unemployment rate. So, if we were at the same rate of hiring that we were in, uh, let's say, 2005, we would expect the unemployment rate instead of being 5.4% to be uh, closer to 4.5%. So, you know, there's basically been a change in the behavior of businesses and hiring. Now, the question is, why has there been a change? Is it because businesses? can't find quality talent. Now, are the are the workers that are unemployed today not qualified for the jobs that are open? You know, and that could be a possibility considering a lot of the jobs that may have been lost uh, from the Great Recession could have been in the housing area that hasn't fully recovered or in related industries to the housing sector. And if that's the case, these people need to be retrained before they could be uh, be hired which could explain why the unemployment rate today is is higher than where it would have been uh, prior to the recession. It also could be that uh, businesses have job openings, but they're not really looking to fill them. The fact that if the perfect candidate shows up at their door, they'll hire them. But until that candidate shows up, they're not willing to go look for them. They're not willing to train that candidate, uh, which slows down the hiring process, which means that we have more jobs open than what we would normally have and than what, you know, should be if businesses were willing to go out and hire workers. So we don't really know which aspect is is the truer reason. You know, is it businesses don't want to hire and they're only willing to hire the best of the best or that businesses can't find, uh, you know, a quality candidate even if they were willing to train them. And uh, that fight is what really is going to tell us how the labor market is going to go on you know, for the next year or two.
1: Let's switch gears and jump to retail sales. The headline makes it look like consumers aren't spending. They're not increasing their spending. They're just kind of going sideways, and they're saving the money. They're paying off their debt. What do you make of the numbers? And it, good, This is exactly bad. what
3: we're seeing. You know, the. the okay the way the key to that report was not the fact that retail sales were flat or that they were marginally up when you get rid of autos. The key to the report is that you know for the last four or five months, we've been seeing an uptick in the savings rate. You know if you look at the the employment report from uh, the April employment report that came out last week, we saw that aggregate earnings increased by about 0.3%. So if we get retail sales to grow by about that rate, the savings rate stays flat. And we saw the retail sales report came in showing that demand was below that, meaning that we're going to see another uptick in savings. And the question is why? You know, why are consumers uh, – why did they desire elevated savings? You know, If the job market is strong, we're not seeing any layoffs. You know, The initial claims level is – practically zero so why do consumers feel the need to save instead of spend you know are they constrained on credit so they have to pay down debt possible is the income growth co- coming only from you know the top of the top of the income distribution where they just don't have any any anything else to buy so the fact that the savings rates is going up naturally because there's nothing left for them to own possibly but in the aggregate what we see is that You know, this desire for savings is slowing down economic growth. It makes it more difficult for businesses to go out and hire if demand growth is going to be slow. And and that's what we're seeing.
1: Anything that you're working on, Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief economist with briefing.com, that you think should be brought to our attention?
3: Yeah, I think that the uh, the fact that rates have been going up, uh, you know, not necessarily today or yesterday, but – you know, we, we've been seeing a, a pretty good run-up in, in, you know, the 10-year over the last month. Uh, kind of worries me. You know, if you look at the Fed Fund's futures, we're not seeing a change in the near-term rate hike. You know, the first rate hike is still expected to be in December. Uh, you know, I think economists are expecting it more in the September-July uh, range in terms of the consensus view, but the market's not hasn't really changed their, their viewpoint since the uh, middle of April. And yet, You know, the 10-year has gone up by 40 basis points. So, you know, are are we looking at uh, a bond market that expects interest rates to rise at a faster rate than than necessarily the Fed funds rate is expecting, meaning, you know, once the rates start raising, are we going to start seeing, you know, a big uptick? And how is that going to affect mortgages? How is that going to affect other investment? You know, it's not – really the best thing that we're seeing right now, you know, we're at rising rates is a slowdown to economic growth. And when you have first quarter, that uh, for all intents and purposes will be revised down to a negative number. And my current second quarter forecast is negative, And we have rising rates. That's, that's not a good combination. You know, it, it doesn't show uh, any signs of uh, stability in the economy. Do you
1: think the Fed's going to raise interest rates in the second half of this year?
3: I don't think so, just because my okay. GDP forecasts don't show it. Uh, if you look okay. at where everything is, there's no reason for it. There's no in inflation. You know, core inflation is uh, on the PCE metric that the Fed looks at, 1.3 percent year over year. That's 0.7 percentage points below its target rate. Let alone being above its target that it you know initially said it was willing to go to in order to spur economic growth. I'm in the camp that feels that the unemployment rate at 5.4% is masking a, a truer unemployment rate that's closer to you know seven and a half to eight percent, being that a lot of people that have left the labor market during the recession have not returned. These are workers that would probably take a job if the job opportunities were available to them. Uh, you know, and I think once that the labor market does improve, you'll see those people start coming back to the you know, to the market. You know, income growth is weak. You see the retail sales demand. Consumers, you know, desire more savings than spending. These are not, uh, you know, conditions that are, you know, that would warrant a rate hike. So I'm not expecting them to do it. You know, that doesn't mean that they won't do it. Uh, It doesn't mean they won't do it even though economic conditions say they shouldn't do it. But, uh, you know, right now I would, you know, January at the earliest, now we'd look at more March, possibly April of next year.
1: We've got about two minutes, Dr. Jeff. One final question I have for you, because I, I did a whole segment on it this hour on the millennials and how they're shopping, you know, and they're now having babies, and you can invest in companies that make baby clothes. You can invest in Williams-Sonoma. They make goods that go in homes. Um, millennials are the biggest generation of the U.S. workforce now. Um, does that have any play
3: in your forecasts? Not in the aggregate, because I don't go into the specific sector of where shopping is going to be done. I look at good spending, you know, so if they're not buying, let's say, baby clothes, but they're buying, you know, their own clothes or something, you know, other, something else with their money, that's all that matters to me. But, uh, you know, the, the bigger question is, is this rising savings rate? Because, you know, maybe the millennials don't want to spend at the same rate that their boomers, uh, you know, that their that their parents did or their grandparents did? You know, are they looking at the idea of that Great Recession could happen again at any moment in time and they need to be prepared for it? And if they're preparing for it, they're going to keep an elevated savings rate for a longer period of time, if not indefinitely. And what that can do is pull down potential economic growth from the 2.8 to 3.2 percent that we saw You know, in the previous generation to uh, 2.2 to 2.5, which would mean less job growth, uh, less economic growth, less stock market growth overall.
1: Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com. He's the chief economist. Um, I think that's great insight that he just gave in the last 12 minutes. Hopefully you can hear the podcast. If you want the podcast, you can get it at my Facebook page, I Hate Rob Black and or you can get it at Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube. It's not there, but it should be. Think about that. Anyway, you can find me online at robblack.com. Briefing.com, great resource for investors. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. In my wallet, I have a Barclays Arrival Plus card. I use it for travel. It's 2%, 2 points for every dollar. And uh, it's a pretty good deal, in my opinion. There's a $40,000 miles reward once you spend $3,000. There is an annual fee, but I spend so much money that it's not that big of a deal. And before I get hit with that fee next year, I'll take a look. Because if I can find a similar MasterCard or Visa, or even American Express, where I'm getting two miles on purchases for flights, I'm in. Um, and I'll cancel the one that I have now. And that doesn't really hurt my credit rating because I'm canceling the one that gave me the most benefits and the one that is the youngest. Um, I have a Target red card. It costs me, it saves me 5% on everything I buy at Target if I use it through my debit card. Um, I don't shop at Target often, but 5% off is 5% off. I've got the City Double Cash credit card which gives me 2% back cash on anything I buy. 1% when you buy, 1% when you pay it off. I've got a Fidelity's Investment Rewards card. It's tied towards American Express. I use it as kind of my business uh, card. Uh, Anyone can have an American Express card. (laughs) You know, a lot of people think it's just businesses, but it's not. Those are the cards that I use. Um, I tell you that, and I also have a Banana Republic card that gives me pretty good deals. Um, I'm not a total Banana Republic snob, but I'm definitely, you know, I can find clothes there. The thing that I hate about it is, Banana Republic seems to make a lot of clothes for skinny people, thin people, or tall and skinny. Anyway, um, using reward cards not a bad thing. If I were going to be planning a trip to Hawaii, um, I would absolutely sign up for a Hawaiian Airlines card or consider it. Take a look at it and compare it to my travel, my other travel card, my Barclays travel card, and. Doing that at the right time, you know, sometimes you can save an enormous amount of uh, money. You can get, you know, sign-up bonuses. Like, I listen to those credit card offers when I'm on a plane. Like, if you sign up before we land today, you'll get this, this, and this. Um, So don't be afraid of credit cards. Credit cards are not evil. I'm looking at one right now. The City Thank You Premier Card earn 50,000 bonus thank you points after $3,000 in purchases that's pretty good that's redeemable for $500 in gift cards or $625 in airfare ooh not bad earn 3 times thank you points on travel including gas 2 times thank you points on dining out and entertainment and 1 time thank you points on other purchases thank you points are worth 25% more when redeemed through travel for travel through thank you.com i yeah I think that's pretty awesome. I would look at that. The fee is waived for the first 12 months. So, you know, I told you I have a Barclays Arrival Plus. If this card's still around, um, or even I may just pick it up now and uh, plan on two trips this year. So, it's worth taking a look at. I know credit cards have a bad stigma. They shouldn't. Uh, Especially the rewards cards. So... um, I know a lot of people also like Southwest, you know, if you fly Southwest a lot, consider it. If you fly Virgin America a lot, consider it. So, um, just a smarter way of saving money, or a way of saving money is a better way of saying that. And if they're going to give generous rewards, take it. Just don't carry a balance month to month. Pay it off every single month. So once I get my card and I activate it, I'm sitting in front of my computer and I instantly go online and... Instantly link it to my bank account and instantly check the box that says pay in full every month. Um, April retail sales missed expectations. Dow Jones transportation average is underperforming today. Comcast a little bit lower. Media names have shown relative weakness. In the world of Netflix and Time Warner Online, Comcast is going to see a pretty big defection of people cutting the cords. So, you know, my cable bill is 160 bucks a month. Now, probably 60 to 70 of that's my um, cable modem, which I love, which you'd have to pry from my dead fingers. But you get the idea. I, I think there's some... Comcast is going to have some problems if they don't come up with a, a slimmer package for people. Um, people feel like we're just paying too much for channels we just don't watch. And here's where that's bad news. I never watch the Discovery Channel, I never watch TLC. They get money from my monthly subscription as part of, you know, the way the cable package works. So they're getting less money, they'll have less chance to create programming because they're not making as much money on commercials as say, areas that have bigger, how shall we say, Uh, swarths. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Things are getting better. In the past 20 years, life expectancy at birth has gone from a worldwide 64 to 70. That's the biggest jump in life expectancy. Um, And most of that came from the world's poorest region, Africa. Um, The proportion of people living in extreme poverty was cut in half between 1990 and 2010. Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia still have a way to go. Dramatic improvements were seen in many places around the world. So the trends are pretty good out there. You know, Argentina's a mess. Robots are changing our economy. Humans are causing a great extinction of animals. Canada's economy is slow and Canada wants higher oil prices, that's for sure, and a weaker dollar. So these are stories that we can talk about in the future. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll talk soon.